open warfare. Truly desperate stuff from Judith Collins. And I just wish everyone well. And a baptism by fire. You have seven houses. Aren't you contributing to the housing crisis? One News Inside Parliament. Welcome to One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up of political stories that we have been covering on One News. I'm Jessica Much Mackay. And I'm Benedict Collins. And it's great to have you guys with us again. Let's kick off with our pits and our peaks or interesting things. Do you want to start, Benedict Collins? Maybe let's start positive today. Yeah, well, uh, it's been it's been a while since our, our last podcast and it's sure been an eventful last 10 days or so in um, which we've lost another national party leader and uh, gained a new one. And I think my peak was um, the way Christopher Luxon came to Parliament, which was um, jumping in his Mercedes about 40 feet from Parliament and taking, I don't know, a several kilometre trip in that Mercedes rather than... Uh, a 30-second walk across the um, forecourt, uh, which was fantastic, especially since we could all see him get into that Mercedes just across the road from um, Parliament. So, yeah, a, a grand entrance and, a, yeah, a curious one. But it was, yeah, good fun. And then watching all the um, reporters sprint after that car across Parliament's forecourt was, yeah, highly enjoyable. Well, that, was, that also links very well to my peak, which was the photo that Robert Kitchen took of um, three journalists, including myself, um, running along beside his car. Um, it is one of my favourite photos of being a journalist um, that I've ever seen. And, um, you know, th- there wasn't a, a whole lot of dignity in the photo, but, um, you know, I was committed to the cause and we just got a bit out of position and so sprinted along to make sure that we got the shot for the viewers at home. So if anyone wondered whether, you know, I'm committed to my job, I'm not a fan of running. Um, I feel like Mr. Um, Extreme Marathon Runner over here should have perhaps been the one running after the car. Instead, it was me. But, you know, I did my bit. I was conserving energy, um, yeah, you know, yeah. filming from afar. Yeah. Another great photo he took was the um, photo as Christopher Luxon got out of the car and was going in um, through what we call the rubber door at Parliament. Um, and... There were a whole huddle of journalists around him, but also a guy who had been uh, hanging around outside Parliament all day trying to get MPs autographs. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and he was right there, right in the middle of the huddle, trying to get Christopher Luxon's autograph, which um, kind of encapsulated got... <laughs> the moment quite well. The chaos too; it was good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, my thing that I'd like to highlight is another interesting point. We got a new um, US ambassador, Tom Udell. Uh, who came into New Zealand, I think it would have been a, a very large story did we not have National going on. But we um, had a camera in our um, Te Karere reporter, Tiakua McLean, went along and interviewed him for that. And I just think it's always really interesting, those stories um, and who they choose to come here. I'd imagine it would be a pretty good gig. Like, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a London or a, you know, one of the big ones. But it's not a bad place to be sent, I wouldn't have thought. So, yeah, there, there's a note. We have a new US ambassador. Yeah, and I guess uh, my, my my pit uh, would be the late-night um, press release that Judith Collins um, sent out, uh, de- demoting, or well, 9.30pm, rather late, <laughs> demoting uh, Simon Bridges, uh, and which kicked off this whole um, extraordinary last 10 days. So, yeah, she um, demoted him in that press release over um, what he admits were, you know, inappropriate, maybe a little bit sleazy comments that he had made to um, one of his colleagues five years earlier, uh, Jackie Dean, um, which he was, by his own account, hauled over the hot coals by um, Bill English uh, at the time, who was Deputy Prime Minister. And, um, yeah, that, that kicked the whole thing off. Um, it was pretty much the last thing she did as leader, uh, have her um, press sec send out that press release. She was promptly 
rolled the next morning by a caucus. Uh, and yeah, and then we've seen, you know, that the week sort of the last 10 days play out from there with Simon Bridges and Christopher Luxon both running for leader. Um, Simon Bridges eventually, you know, withdrawing and yeah, National's got a whole new leader. What did you make of that by Judith Collins? Well, let's dig into that a bit more because I reckon the way that it played out is really interesting because at 9.30 that release came out and I think for all of us we just went, whoa, this is big. So we all hit the phones that night and you could tell that things were shifting and changing that evening. I then went on to breakfast the next morning and was giving an update at 6.50am and then we got a, a message from Simon Bridges who had refused to pick up our calls that night um, saying, I'm doing a press conference at Parliament at 7am. So um, just as a little bit of an aside, I found this quite interesting. We have one of our very experienced cameramen, Phil Melville, um, set up the shot and all the lights and then we suddenly realised that we didn't have a camera outside to get Simon Bridges. So he left me there with the camera all set up and he was like, don't move, just do your cross and don't move. And he ran outside to get Simon Bridges. So um, for people sitting at home, they probably wouldn't have noticed a difference. But for me, um, I, I don't think I've ever done a cross without a cameraman standing there. And it was sort of like, doo-doo-doo, He went outside, I ran outside afterwards. You were there um, by that point, or maybe you were just on your way in. But once we heard from Simon Bridges... Um, you thought, oh, this is interesting. And then we heard from Simon O'Connor. Oh, which was awesome, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Like, let's be honest, with that moment, you kind of think he'd be like, oh, no comment. And he came out and said, oh, I can't work with Judith Collins, she's gone. And so those moments, this big moment from Simon Bridges, this big moment from Simon O'Connor. Who's his brother-in-law, right? Yeah. And not yeah. only did he say could he, he could not work with Judith Collins anymore and he didn't want her as leader, he, he said she, he wanted her gone from Parliament altogether. Yeah. Right, pretty... Um, forceful stuff. Yeah, and a big, brave move if she's not gone as leader yet. You know, it yes. was either the end of gotta... his career or the start of the end of her career. Nailing your colours to the mast. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so I think I, just the way that it played out, and I think I want to give a little bit of a justification here for for people perhaps who were watching some of that footage and think that it's a bit chaotic and running around and things like that. What happens outside is there are there are a few entrances and exits and you can sometimes just get a little bit out of position and end up having to go to those people so it can look a little bit more chaotic than perhaps it really is do you know what I mean but it's part of literally chasing the story and for us getting people on camera because you want to see the whites of their eyes yeah for me I guess the whole thing just kind of I don't know, reflects what I think is pretty extraordinarily bad political judgment by Judith Collins. I mean, she's been in Parliament for 20 years, and yet her leadership was just marred by these kind of incidents, which she didn't need to do, right? Like, you know, I think, you know, getting into fights on breakfast TV with, uh, you know, Indira, um, you know, going after Susie Wiles, calling her a big fat hypocrite, starting these big, you know, incidents that she just did not need to do. And then, you know, not having got caucus on side and trying to demote Simon Bridges, who everyone knew was, you know, would be interested in taking over as as leader again, you know, doing this late <coughs> late at night without caucus <coughs> even even being aware that she was going to do it, um, you know, claiming that the board was on her side, who knows whether they were or, or, or weren't, but, you know, just ending her, her, her leadership like that, you know, just hitting the self-destruct button. And for me, I guess an interesting thing was I thought, 
but man, you're not far from getting things right, Judith. You know, in our last poll, National had taken two points off Labour. They climbed up to 28 points. You had Labour falling, oh, I think, at their highest, where they at 55. Now they were down to 41. I thought, you know, Judith, if you could just get National, do that again in the next poll, and you're up onto 31, and, and, and you take two more off Labour, and they're down into 39. It's game on. You know, the, the whole narrative will change. You're really closing that gap. Labour is continuing to lose support. Um, I thought she was just getting so close to that point where the, the questions about her leadership might really, really back off, and then she just self-destructs. Yeah, and it was a it was an epic self-destruct as well. It wasn't sort of a minor thing. I have to say, I was a little bit surprised that uh, it didn't stick more for Simon Bridges. You know, he explained the comments and things like that. I was surprised that inside caucus more weight wasn't put on that. I thought it it would have been. And I also think, and I've made this point, to, and I think you made the point when we were talking about it in the office as well, that Judith Collins has been a big advocate for women. It's not outside her uh, personality to do that and go hard. It's just that there was, you know, also the tantalising bonus of of potentially injuring Simon Bridges at the same time. You're absolutely right, right? Because she was a, a, absolutely um, disgusted with the way you know, Jamie Lee Ross was operating within the National Party, the way women were being treated within the National Party. She spoke out, you know, she was she was really unhappy with that. And we and we have seen, you know, pretty dubious culture reviews and um, carried out under Simon Bridges' old leadership as to whether or not the National Party is a safe place for women. You know, and, and that review didn't even speak to their female MPs. I don't think we've seen the, the whole thing no. either, right? I mean, there are still big question marks around the way some of the men in the National Party are behaving. And like her or loathe her, she's broken some glass ceilings. You know, she she's moved in um, only male-dominated worlds in the legal world and then in politics. So I just think um, she will be extra sensitive to uh, those kinds of comments as well. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm, she's fought against that her whole life. So I just think it's worth worth noting that for her. And I also think, I've just written a column about this as well, I also think that Christopher Luxon would be smart to do some kind of photo op with her going out and about, have that visual of those two working together um, and perhaps give her a high ranking as well, like Simon Bridges. Yeah, well, I guess like we just saw, like we just saw yesterday, he was uh, Christopher Lux. One of the first things he did as the new leader was supposed to have a um, you know press uh, press conference with Simon Bridges uh, yesterday in Tauranga. You know, quickly promoting Simon, who lost out in that leadership, up into that top finance spokesperson role. Um, but obviously, you know, um, one of Simon Bridges' children had an accident at school, and you know he had to be be with him, so it, it didn't quite play out like that. But yeah, it would be interesting to see whether he does that with Judith. But also, one thing I find really interesting, you know, you get you have those Simon O'Connor comments. You've got a small band of, in Judith Collins' camp who hate Simon Bridges. You've got Simon Bridges and his allies who obviously have no time for Judith Collins. You know. Christopher Luxon has his work cut out here, doesn't he? Yeah, I think what will help in this situation, though, is that he doesn't have that political history with them. He's only been around for a year, so he's going to have the opportunity to build some of those bridges. And if he can select a few people from each camp to promote, um, then I think that will solve some of those issues. I don't think there's too much doubt, though, for the National Party that this is it until 2023, unless... Um, Christopher Luxon has a 
shocker. This is it. This is your leader. You're done. Like you can't do this. Oh, I mean, I feel like I've said this before, but you, you can't do this over and over again. So I think there is a little bit of a sense of this is a fait accompli now that you have to go forward and deal, deal with it. This is what you've ended up with. And speaking of um, uh, the National Party moving right along, what did you make of, um, apart from his uh, entrance in the in, in the black Merc, um, what, what did you make of Christopher Luxon's first couple of days in the job? I think he's had a pretty good start. I think um, he genuinely seems to like the attention of being the leader, and let's hope that lasts, because I, I think John Key liked that as well most of the way through. I think Jacinda Ardern likes it some days, but not most days. Um, I think that he's made some good moves in terms of being able to get it uncontested. I think that was quite a strong move, and that's kind of Simon Bridges as well. I think the things that he's stumbled on have been he shouldn't have he should have sold his four investment properties before he came into politics. That's such a no-brainer. Uh, the housing crisis is such a big issue, and it just takes away your ability to to critique it without getting that thrown back at you. And, yeah, maybe it's not fair, but that's politics, and and he should have known that, and if not, he should have been advised of that. Um, yeah, so I think that's my take. What's your take? What, one thing I found interesting was when that, you know, hey, buddy, yeah, you know, you own seven houses, we've got a housing crisis in New Zealand, and he's like, well, well, but hey, you know, I'm successful. I, I shouldn't have to apologise for being successful. And to me, that's kind of more a reflection on New Zealand society where... You know, successful people don't think twice about buying up lots of property. And that's, you know, that's the way our society's geared and has been for a long time. A really smart move is, is to invest in property because you don't pay any tax, right? Or you haven't had to until the Brightline test has kind of been expanded. So now if you if you flip them quickly, you will have to. But, I mean, it's a, it's a very logical decision, right? But, it, yeah, it sort of, to me, it raises questions around, yeah, okay, okay, this is what successful people do. Buy house, you buy up houses, right? But you are contributing to the housing crisis, you know, when it's such the biggest game in town is buying up property. And I think it also shows who you're dealing with because um, successful people and friends that I'm sure he's surrounded with will be buying properties and that won't be unusual. The problem is is that when you come into the political world, it's perception and you he shouldn't have that many investment properties when, when the National Party is going to be trying to talk about solving the housing crisis. So I just, you know, I, I feel like... Now that they acknowledge that there is one. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, true. But I just think it's, it's just one of those things that you're like, ah, oh, that would have been just such a thing that you could have very easily dealt with behind the scenes. And I don't think there's, there's much doubt. Like I do, there will be a group of um, people who are never going to vote for him who think it's um, outrageous and grotesque to have that many houses but there will be a group of people who are sort of in the middle who feel the aspirational side of things and th think if I was that rich I'd buy those houses as well and as long as that's the narrative that go to those middle voters that's okay I just think that it would have made his life a lot easier if he'd just sell them. Yeah no, another thing that's really cropped up pretty much straight away was um, his religious background yeah. I think it was the first question you asked um, in his first press conference. Welcome to Parliament. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting, right, because it's, it is something that members of the public are really interested in as well. We, we went out, um, I went up and talked to former um, National Party Minister Nathan Guy the other day, you know, just about what he makes of things and the, and the new leadership team. And, um, you know, he is obviously saying, you know, it's been pretty, pretty ugly, another really ugly week for the National Party. Um, but, but saying, hey, you know, they get, need to get out and listen, listen to the people and get out 
he, he felt as well, get out to nationals kind of roots out to farmers, you know, listen to farmers, listen to what they've got to say, listen to what the big issues are. And I think that was his general advice for the entire National Party caucus, actually, was to stop talking about yourselves and, and start listening to what the public thinks. Um, but, yeah, on we did some um, foxes in Ōtaki and uh, also in Paraparaumu on the way back. Yeah, and... and his religious views came up a few times. One guy's like, oh, you think he could be great as long as he leaves his religion at home. Um, and another person we spoke to later had sort of said, oh, well, no, I think it's great that he's Christian. Um, I think we need more, more Christians in Parliament. Um, so, yeah, definitely there is already connected with him his religious views, um, you know, and, you know, his voting record as well over some of the things like safe spaces around um, abortion clinics and stuff like that. You know, his voting record there's coming up because he voted against that at the first reading. But I think he has, has he said he's going to change that? He said he's going to change. He yeah. actually said he did change that, but he's, but he, he's they haven't actually voted to. it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the, that's where the rubber hits the road. I don't think people in New Zealand really mind that much what he does on a Sunday morning. Um, I mean, he says he hasn't gone to church in five years, but I don't think it didn't used to bother people with Bill English who regularly went to church. I think it's when it comes into the debating chamber to make, make sure you're representing all of New Zealand. Yeah, and I, re- I mean, Bill English was extremely con- socially conservative, right? And, you know, his, his religious views heavily influenced the way he voted on things like, you know, abortion and same-sex yeah. marriage and lots of issues like that, right? Yeah. So I just think it's one of those things that he probably needs to, at some point, talk in more detail about that to for, for those who are feeling more nervous about that. Yeah. Also interesting um, how the Labour Party has sort of almost tried to brush this off. Um, mm. You know, asking um, asking Jacinda Ardern who her money was on and, you know, she, oh, she's been too busy to even give it a moment's thought. She told me at um, Postcab this week, uh, you've, you've had like Grant Robertson, um, I think, saying, oh, you know, we're too busy to worry about this revolving door of National Party leaders. Uh, and, yeah, Chris Hipkins making similar comments, referring to it as the National Party cage fight. Um but, but, yeah, I think they are going to have to start taking him seriously, and I'm really looking forward to next week mm. and uh, the first question time yeah. where he, um, Christopher Luxon, who hasn't had a lot of exposure in the House, nope. gets to go toe-to-toe with Jacinda Ardern. Yeah, and right? whether and to he see can... what, what he can bring yeah. to the fight. And does he look... Well, you know, cage fight, d- yeah. debate fight, I think probably that's an apt word, mm. fight. But can he look prime ministerial? And that's his big challenge, and what does that look like? So, But speaking of... The government. Shall we switch now? Because it does feel like for the last two weeks we've been um, so ensconced in the National Party debacle. But oh gosh, it's been good getting back to some good old-fashioned politics. Eh, I have to say. But let's let's park that and go to the traffic light system, which obviously kicks off today. Let's dig into this a little bit. So. I think it's fair to say it hasn't been communicated well. I think people are getting their heads around it now as we start to move into it. But it kind of was one of those things that we we got the level system and now we're switching into this traffic light system. And there are some weird kind of anomalies as well. Like, you know, you've got areas that are red and areas that are orange that one will have vaccination rates and the other will have um, cases in the community. And it just doesn't seem particularly... um, Consistent. Mm. The only thing that's consistent is if you have a low vaccination rate, you'll be read. So it just doesn't. Yeah, or, or, or huge number of cases. But also, yeah, it's it's kind of the traffic it light comes, system, but it's kind of not as well because yeah. they've said 
oh look, this isn't how it would actually operate, but we just want to kind of have this transition period where we're going to keep everyone at red or orange um, until they let Aucklanders out on the 15th of December. Over that summer period, they kind of want to keep things at higher, not alert levels anymore, but at higher higher lights. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's not even a, a true traffic light system yet because I think otherwise you'd have most well, this whole South Island kind of be green. Wellington would be green, I think, with our really high vaccination rates. I think we heard uh, 91% Wellington Central uh, this morning, um, really high, and, and, and no COVID, right? I think there's a few things. So I think the government has done well. You know, yes, people can go and move around at Christmas time. And I think that's quite a big relief, particularly for Aucklanders. Um, but then I think there are some hooks for the government. I think anyone who's wanting to go and visit family and friends in Northland, for example, little bit nervous about what that's going to mean with, with roadblocks, um, things like that. I, so that could be like a big summer issue for us. I think there are, for businesses, it's still tough. And I think that's going to be a sticking point for them, particularly in Auckland. Like it's that's difficult to to be making money at red. Yep, there's freedoms for people to go to cafes and restaurants and things, but there's still those rules in place. And I still think that the MIQ thing um, is is going to stick to the government in terms of that damage. I think that, yep, there's guys have a date now. You know, if you're travelling back from Australia, it's mid-January. Um, if it's from overseas, it's um, mid-February. But it's... It's just been so long and so tough. So, you know, for for ACT and perhaps now National, there's a lot to to grasp onto over the next two weeks. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with ACT, right? Because they're they're doing so well in the polls. Whether a new um, National Party leader, well, I think they're on fourteen. Yep. In our last poll, so eighteen that, MPs. Eighteen MPs. Interesting to see um, if Christopher Luxon. National League Christopher Luxon will start eating away or chip, you know, eating up that support that's really left, deserted them and, and, and swung to act. Yeah, I just think it's going to be a, a very, very interesting look yeah. in, in, in however long. And it's going to be, yeah, also on the on the traffic lights, you know, big yeah. changes in Auckland today. Um, yeah. So many places, you know, bars opening at midnight last night and yeah. and your, uh, your hardcore devotees out, out in the pubs last night at midnight. So, I mean, a bit of relief there and I guess... We're hoping things ease up for summer. I, I think just to maybe sum it up, the government's had not a great couple of weeks, you know, with the traffic light system and some issues and, and businesses not happy, and yet the coverage has all been dominated by national. And I think that it's, in terms of timing, this probably wasn't great timing um, for national to be doing all of this because it, it just takes away at a time that was going to be quite tough uh, for the government, so oh, it's, I, it's smack your head against the wall stuff, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it just but inc- smack your head against the wall inc- for the last two years. Like, what are they doing? But you know, but with all these, especially recently, where the messaging from the government's got increasingly muddled, Aucklanders are getting increasingly, you know, frustrated. Well, some of them are, well, you know, with, with the government, with the lack of clear direction. You know, this the inconsistencies with with MIQ. And you know widespread COVID in Auckland, and you know National should be making hay while the um, sun shone, right? And, yeah. and Judith just hits the self-destruct button, and they have another another week of chaos. Well, let us see if the sun shines on Christopher Luxon or not, and that is perhaps a nice place to leave it. 
That was One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up on the stories that we've been covering on One News. Have a listen to us on your favourite podcasting app and we'll make sure that we have the links on all of our social media.